Wednesday, December 13, 2017. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson, your host. Today we talk about an interesting technology that uh, that just launched. I met a group of people at the Military Influencers Conference a couple months ago that are a part of an organization called Everance. Essentially what they do is they take DNA from someone, a loved one, a friend, family member, and they break down the DNA. So like from like a saliva sample or something like that, they break down the DNA, they encapsulate, turn it into a powder essentially that can then be added to tattoo ink safely and you can have essentially have someone's dna uh encapsulated uh inside your tattoo ink it can be added to a tattoo it can put in, be put into a new tattoo i wanted to have them on the podcast to talk about this because uh i know that this idea is one that would be important and interesting to the military and veteran community um, especially maybe those deploying, um, especially with those uh, maybe tr- doing something in remembrance. I brought on Boyd Renner. Boyd is a uh, prior Navy SEAL. He is the co-founder of Everance, and he's going to talk to us not only about his service uh, and his transition like we do each and every week, but he's going to talk to us about how Everance came about, how it works if it's safe, stuff like that. I went through just all of the casual, curious questions that one would have if they're interested in this solely to give everybody the information they need should they discover this and decide and wonder if this is something that they want to do. I know the veteran community would be interested, so uh, I brought on Boyd to talk about it. It's a really interesting concept, and I'm sure you'll enjoy. My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. Perfect. Boyd Renner, Navy SEAL. Sir, thank you so much for, for joining me on Born the Battle. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. This is, uh, like I told you, this is my first time, so uh, everyone bear with me, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. Of course. And uh, you know, I don't know what number this is for me podcast-wise. Close to 600, possibly, but I don't know. That's not an exact number. Um, Boyd, we're going to start this interview where we start every interview going to the one thing that all of us veterans have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Bring us back to that day for you. Well, with uh, a lot of tip guys from my generation, I had a very solid C-plus average. I was a mid-level soccer player and uh, decided that college might not be in the card at that time frame, and, and they had an interesting program at you know, during that time, it's called the GI Bill, whereas if you served four years, they would pay for your college and uh, you would be a big success. So I was in a one-stop light town in Colorado. A buddy of mine joined the Navy. I respected him a lot. And I was like, well, can't be all that bad. So I walked into the recruiter's office and waited for, I guess, an hour or so. And while I'm sitting there, I see an all-hands magazine that happened to have a special that month or quarter 
on Navy SEALs. And I'm like, well, that looks a little better than, you know, my land-based person being on a ship. So let's try for that first. And uh, 18 years old at the time, had never seen the ocean, never shot a gun. And I told the recruiter that my 150-pound body would like to go to Bud's. He promptly patted me on the head and sent me to aviation electrician school, and uh, and which I kept having a dream of going to SEAL, tra- uh, SEAL team training. And eventually, after a long, long aviation electrician school, showed up to Bud's. So what I thought would be a four-year mature transition to get my uh, money for college turned out to be an outstanding 28-year career um, as, as a Navy SEAL. Uh <laughs> that's um it's funny how that happens right like there's you just run across that one bit of information that completely uh changes the trajectory of your career um you know the the name of the show is born the battle and uh you know whether it was literal combat or somewhere else in your career uh tell us about a time during your service where you faced some sort of challenge or difficulty and how you handled it yeah, yeah, I appreciate the question because everyone's got it no matter what career they chose. Mine happened to be uh, on a mission, one of hundreds and hundreds, where I never fired a single single round. In fact, I never saw the enemy. Um, but what most of the world would later know as Lone Survivor, back then we just knew it as a helicopter went down. And so my unit was tasked with recovering our brothers uh, that were, were up on the hillside. So you know, fast rope in, we patrolled for a couple of miles and came up to the crash site. And, uh, you know, we knew, knew then that we had a pretty important mission to do. Um, when the helicopter was shot down, you know, a lot of our brothers, all of the brothers were standing up and sort of unclipped from the helicopter. So, you know, when the helicopter spun around, it, uh, you know, all the boys flew out the back and they pretty much died on impact. But, they died on impact about 2,000 feet from the top of the mountain where we eventually had to recover all the remains to. So we spent about the next three or four days um, doing the right thing, making sure everyone got home. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, you know, by far, but it was also the most rewarding thing I've ever done by far um, in a sense that we knew that these guys now get to go to Arlington and they're not going to stay on this this hilltop. Um, their remains, so their families will um, – um, have somewhere to go. So anyway, you guys would later hear about as lone survivor. Once we recovered all of our brothers, we spent about the next week um, searching for Marcus Luttrell and the other guys, which ultimately everyone remembers the story. We we, we finally found Marcus Luttrell and, and the rest is history. But but that, that event has stayed with me my whole life. In fact, um, um, I actually took sand from the crash site. And later on, when you, when you ask me about what I'm doing now, I'll explain what I've done with that sand. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's well, that's a that's a great story. I, I did I did not uh, know that connection. That uh, I didn't know we were going to get a lone survivor uh, drop on uh, on the show here. That's that's a great story. Um, lone survivor definitely, uh, you know, a, a story that uh, the veteran community definitely appreciates, and one that uh, I think we're all glad uh, we all got to learn about. Um, Boyd, after a long uh, after a longer career in the military, what prompted your 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 transition out? Well, I'd pretty much gone as high as I wanted to go. Uh, my poor wife had dealt with uh, 25 years of constant sea duty. I never had short duty my entire career, you know, and so I spent, you know, all of those times deployed, especially since 9-11. I think I did about eight, eight, to, eight to nine deployments to Afghanistan and two deployments to Iraq and another one to the Arabian Peninsula. And uh, I'd already made E-9. I spent some time as an E-9 and had already picked up W-3 and W-4, 
Uh, and I just re- looked at looked at the math. My wife's a lot smarter than I am. She's a CPA, and she she basically said you got to do about five more years to make this sort of worth it with your retirement. Because I, I I made W four, I'd maxed out that way, and uh, it was just harder and harder to make W five. And uh, like most people out there listening, they they realize you know the time has come to sort of get off the, the moving train. And so I did, you know, I think uh, I sort of just made a decision one day and, and the rest is history, if you will. It's almost a year to the day of uh, me being out. And, uh, you know, you can answer this with whatever, whatever comfort level you have, but a lot of veterans in during their transition experience some sort of emotional dilemma due to their tra- uh, their separation, leaving the service. Did you experience anything like that? You know, it was it was it was. Yes, I agree with you. I've talked with a lot of people that that uh, that have that transition. For me, it was there was two things. One, you know, being in a community that I was in, you're sort of on this fast moving train, very responsive. You know, everything changes. Um, uh, you know, you always feel like you're sort of the tip of the spear. You, you you're in the know of what's going on. And then, literally, when I had my last day and I had my readout. Uh, with the programs I was involved in, I got escorted out by one of our security guards out the front door where he grabbed my badge and, and turned around promptly. And I was left standing there. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess the train keeps going. And uh, when I left that unit, I was the longest serving member of that unit. I'd been there for about 23 years. So it was sort of a pregnant pause of me standing there on the quarter deck with the doors to my back and the uh, you know, my truck out in front waiting on me, like, okay, well, I guess I got to figure out what I'm going to do now because <laughs> that place I just, that place I just left ain't going to stop because the mission, mission comes first. So everyone out there, no matter what ship or, or duty station they were on, they get that feeling of, hey, you know, the, the mission's bigger than the individual. So that was the one for me is, is, is coming to grips with that. Luckily, I got some contracting work where I was right around my brother's. Um, for the next, you know, four or five months, you know, doing some of the same stuff I'd done when I left. So that helped, helped, if you will. But you never lose that feeling of you're being left behind, so to speak. Yeah. Now, Boyd, you and I, you were on this podcast because, uh, man, how long ago was it? It wasn't that long ago. It was uh, before Veterans Day, right? So, uh, what, a couple months ago, we were down in uh, Dallas for the Military Influence Con- uh, Conference. And met, uh, I met your Everance team down there. Um, and uh, I was blown away by this concept that Everance was presenting and being able to, uh, and I'm, you'll explain it better than I will, but, but essentially putting someone's DNA, uh, making it possible to put DNA into tattoo ink for you to sort of have on you forever. Um, how did it first, I guess, better explain what, it, what I just tried explaining it is, and then tell us a story of how, of the inspiration behind that. No, that, no, you did great actually. Uh, and, and what, what I find interesting is when people first hear about, encapsulating DNA and adding it to a tattoo, I get one of two looks. I get the look of the person that, uh, you know, just won the lottery and they instantly connect with it. And I get the other person that has the look of I'm stuck in traffic all day long and I'm really upset because I don't understand what you're talking about. And it's kind of creepy. Um, so the fact that you, um, the fact that you recognize the emotional connection instantly uh, speaks volumes to me. So, yeah, so, so, uh, Endeavor Life Sciences is the name of the company. Uh, we have patented a product called Everance to add DNA to a new or existing tattoo safely. And uh, it, it has one 
one purpose, or it has a bunch of purposes, depending on what it is. For for me and for general speak, it's to honor emotional connection and inspiration, and it allows you to keep those who have touched you or shape your life to inspire your journey for the rest of your life forever. That is, that's it in a nutshell. That's the elevator pitch, if you will. How I resonated with the product, it took me about four or five months before I really resonated with the product and the concept. I don't have a single tattoo. I've never had one in my entire military career. And uh, when Patrick, the inventor, who's a great American, and I look forward to telling about him, uh, he serves the veterans and has served the veterans for years long before he met me. When he approached me with this idea, I was like, well, that's, you know, that's different. You know, a typical military guy, I was like, well, how can I use this in the military? You know, what's the application? And then over a period of about four or five months, I started to realize that you know, the person that inspires me after 28 years is my wife. She um, had been working with heroes my entire life, but my wife, she has cystic fibrosis and born with it. If you know anything about cystic fibrosis, it doesn't go away. It just gets worse. And she's run dozens of uh, half marathons, a couple half marathons, Spartan races, and put up with me for 25 years. So when I started realizing that I could have part of her genetic makeup with me when I travel or long after she's gone, it started to resonate more every minute. And uh, every one of your listeners out there has something they've carried on deployment, whether it's rubber bands around the wrist or a picture of their daughter on their cruise box or, you know, a letter from their wife or whatever, hit locks of hair. They always carry something. And it's no different in the SEAL community. Everyone carries something. Well, now this product literally allows you to carry something with you that's important to you that inspires you and that good luck charm, uh, a reliquary, whatever you want to call it. You know, that's how I resonated with this product of Everens. Um, so I, I have a handful of just curious questions and ones that I'm sure that any general consumer uh, would have for you. Um, I, I am uh, looking to get uh, my own, artwork done uh soon and, and evidence is definitely something that i would consider um how would i guess the the first i'm sure you get people that are skeptical of like is that really what it is like how does that actually work is it am i really putting someone's dna you know in this ink or is this like a placebo of making it me feel that way how does it really work yeah, that's, that's a great question. Now, I'll just summarize your question first, and then I'll answer it. Absolutely, it's DNA of a loved one, of a pet, of grass, whatever you want is in that encapsulated safely in that product that eventually gets added to, to your tattoo. And it can be verified by any third-party lab to prove that what we've encapsulated is actually in there. And the way it works is a direct-to-consumer product, whereas just like 23andMe or Ancestry.com, you would go to our website, you would order a saliva collection kit, it would come to you, you would uh, collect the sample of whatever evidence you would like that to be, whether that's your, your child, your, your daughter, your son, um, you know, your grandmother that, that might not be doing so well, whatever you want it to be, it doesn't matter. Uh, we then get that collection kit up at our lab in Rhode Island at an ISO certified lab. It's GMP compliant. And uh, we have scientists up there that will extract that DNA. And then what they do is they purify it. And then they do what's called they amplify it. So if you were to use Boyd's DNA, uh, the DNA, we would take a strand of non-coding DNA. So it would be B-O-Y, not the entire D. So non-coding stranded DNA. Once we have that, we encapsulate it in a product called PMMA. 
PLMA is the most widely used polymer on the planet. Uh, it's uh, been in medicine long before I was born. It's been in hip replacements and dermofillers and contact lenses. We take that PMMA and we encapsulate your DNA and it comes out to be this beautiful uh, sort of bluish white powder uh, of encapsulated DNA. We then ship that back to you. And then what you do with that is up to you at that point. Um, we've had everything from people put it on their mantle. We've had people hang it around their neck. We've had people literally put it in the coffin with them when they departed on their next journey. And then, of course, uh, the way uh, that we envision people doing it is adding it to a brand new tattoo, in my case, or existing tattoo. Uh, it does not change the appearance of the existing tattoo. The product stays in the dermis exactly like the ink does. It doesn't go throughout the body, and that's due to the size and shape and morphology of the particles. They don't move. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that's a, that's a precise but long answer to your short question. Uh, first of all, I'm glad to hear that you're interested in it, and, I, you know, let me know if you are because uh, I, I, I do believe in this, and I think it will change the way that people stay emotionally connected with what inspires them. Yeah, so um, did I hear you? Did I hear you say pet as well? Like I can get my dog's DNA. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, if you, that's right now. We do saliva collection kits. We're uh, we're gonna uh, hopefully soon have the ability, to, and we can do one-offs for special cases. Obviously, for our veteran brothers, you know, that have service dogs and whatnot, we can do one-offs of uh, cheek swabs. And we can extract the DNA from that. So right now you'll get a saliva collection kit, but, uh, you know, our staff is, is, is ready to help out that, for example, veterans with service dogs or you know, first responders or people that, you know, have a reason to really want that pet. Maybe it's, that's all they have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can do, you do your pets. You can do, uh, like I said, your ch children and anything that inspires you. And in the future, what's really neat, uh, you'll have the ability to encapsulate anything. Uh, that goes back to my story with Red Wings. When I was, uh, when we finished putting the last uh, remains there at Red Wings, um, I took a handful of sand and brought it home with me, and I've held it on, held it with me all these years. I've recently had that sand encapsulated, and that'll be added to my second tattoo. Oh, wow. So our patents include sand and water and plants, as well as DNA. Right now, what the world will see and enjoy first is DNA. But very soon, hopefully after our launch, we'll be able to uh, grow and um, and add those for other people as well. So um, another question that I have that I'm sure others uh, in the audience do as well, what, what, what if my how, – how, how can I make my artist comf comfortable with it if they're not familiar with the technology? That, that's another great question, and that's, uh, that's one of our concerns is, is the, the, the tattoo artist – a community being as tight knit as they are and tied to culture as they are and, and basically against any sort of new or crazy thing. That's always been our concern. So what we've done, uh, Patrick, Patrick, uh, the inventor had a great idea. So what he did is he recruited uh, 25 of the, let's say the top 50 tattoo artists in the world and basically asked them, Hey, this is, a, this is what I'm thinking of. Should we do this? Is this something we should do? Uh, and they all uh, resoundingly said, yes, this is something that not only uh, is a great idea, but it also it, it morphs right into the tattoo, the reasons people get a tattoo. And people really only get tattoos for one of two reasons, emotional connection or sentimental value. A very small percentage of people that get tattoos do it for sort of a spontaneous 
I've had a couple beers. I'm going to go get an anchor on my leg. That that just doesn't happen anymore. The the tattoo industry has changed and it's more of a, a work of art and a very personal experience where people will wait months and months for. Um, so to answer your question again, the, the people, if they have any question, any tattoo artist, if they have any question at all, they just have to go to our website where there'll be a, um, a sort of how to instructions. Tell me about the safety. There's, there's, there's educational videos in there at our website. There's everything that the tattoo artist would need to feel comfortable with that on top of 25 of the top tattoo artists on the world are already doing it as we speak. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the turnaround time on this? Like I get my kit, I put it back in the mail. When, when can I expect, uh, the, the, the product to put in the ink? So, so right now, once once we get your uh, once we get your order on our website, we expect to have you uh, receive a saliva collection kit within 30 days. Probably much sooner, but we're just going to say 30 for the sake of argument. And then within 180 days after that, you will get your Everance uh, sample sent to you. Now we. Depending on how our launch goes, uh, that process could be faster or slower, depending on our resources we have available at our lab. We think it would be much, much faster because the more resources we have, the more resources we can uh, attach to uh, the extraction of the DNA. There's, there's, a, there's a point in this process where you actually have to have human hands on it. You know, it's a very special and emotional uh, um, individual thing. Someone has to get in there and extract that DNA. We just don't have computers to do that anymore or yet. So it does take some time to make the sample, but we expect you to get that back in, in 180 days or less. So here's a here's a really interesting question, and uh, I'm not sure uh, what, like, let's, <laughs> this is so wild. Let's say I love this idea so much that I have seven tattoos, each one of them with evidence from a different person in them. And then I'm involved in a crime scene. Will their DNA appear? No. Okay. Uh, well, one, it's in, one, no, it won't. Uh, remember how it, it's encapsulated. Safely. Okay. It's not going anywhere. You're not going to get at the DNA anyway. Um, and, and, and that's kind of an interesting thing I've learned throughout this process is, is the term DNA carries a lot of different emotions and questions for people due to shows like CSI, yeah. you know, all those different shows on TV. But the reality is there's more DNA on this cup of coffee that I'm sipping than, than will be in your tattoo. You know, if someone really wanted to get your DNA, they could just rummage through your trash and, and get a hairbrush or, you know, a cup that you might have drank out of. So I've learned that the perception and, and connotation of, of DNA actually, it's interesting when you think about it in that aspect. If someone really wanted your DNA, they would just go through your, your trash or your mail and they would, they would find any of that. So, yeah. no, I don't think that's a problem. But, no, that's a good question, and we've addressed those on our frequently asked questions on the website of, Hey, how does this secure? How are you protecting my data? Those are all great questions, and those are you know fair questions that consumers are gonna gonna ask us. Yeah, uh, and one more just general consumer question: like, what can you get? I, I don't know how DNA or how cremation works, but c could you do something with ashes for someone who's pr who's gone already? 
Absolutely. We can encapsulate ash. Uh, like, like I told you before, we can pretty much, we can encapsulate anything. Okay. Good friend, a good friend of mine is, has encapsulated a piece of bullet that took his leg in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. We've encapsulated uh, a gentleman's piece of his Harley Davidson. Those are one-offs. So what the world will see first is the DNA uh, option, evidence first. We have done ash for special cases. Um, what's really, uh, what I didn't know is ash, cremated ashes have been added to tattoos for years. And what I don't think what a lot of people realize is, is cremated ashes essentially once you cremate it is carbon. There's, there's nothing uh, left um, that uh, would differentiate that person from regular carbon. So what we'd like to sort of, we'd like to change the way people think about uh, someone that might, you know, be in a position where they might not be around forever is that they're forward thinking of, hey, I might want my grandmother's or my grandfather's DNA before they pass. And that way I have their, their genetic makeup in my, in my tattoo, or I just hold on to the evidence and just, hold, you know, don't do a tattoo. And I would like to add that you don't have to add this to a tattoo. You can add it into your skin with carrier collusion, carrier and it would be completely invisible. Uh, you don't have to show it to anybody if it's real private to you and for uh, for religious reasons or whatever, you don't want a tattoo, then you don't have to. You can just do do it in your skin and not tell a soul about it if you choose so. I, I think this is fascinating. I think that the veteran and military community is a community that could definitely cherish this sort of uh, technology and, and really use it in, a, in, a, in an emotional way, in a sentimental way. And uh, I think it's great. I'm, I'm eager uh, to, to participate myself. What, is there anything that we haven't discussed yet regarding Everance that you think is important to, uh, to mention? No, I don't think so. I think you, you had some really great questions. I appreciate that. Uh, we're looking at launching our product on December 10th uh, here in a couple of days. Uh, if you follow some of our tattoo artists, you'll start seeing some video clips and pictures, some um, social media content. Um, our website is uh, everance.life. It'll, it'll be open to the public, uh, like I said, here in a couple of days. And I look forward to any other questions you have. If you, if we launch the product and you come up with some more questions or, or anything else, just, just give me a call and I'll talk to you again. I'm still learning how to be a uh, civilian and, and sort of <laughs> sell, sell my, sell myself, which goes against everything I've learned for the last 28 years. Uh, there's a lot of veterans out there that realize that that same transitional challenge is, Hey, I, I kept everything to myself all these years. Well, now I got to sell myself as my second chapter of my life. And I'm learning how to do that. Uh, baby steps, if you will. Yeah. Boy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for telling us about your service, your transition, and of course, describing uh, Everance and, and the technology that you're bringing forth with that. Uh, and thank you for your service to our country. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Thank you, sir. You have a good night and uh, stay warm up there. When my husband came home from Vietnam, he didn't really look into all his VA benefits. But now I've got some health issues and I'm glad VA is there for me. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Very cool story uh, and explanation from uh, from Boyd there. I appreciate him coming on uh, and talking to us. If you tuned in last week, you know that I have replaced the usual Veteran of the Day section with a uh, with a Medal of Honor citation reading. I didn't have any particular... Uh, person I want to do today. So I actually just looked up the last name Lawson to see if there's anybody with my last name that uh, was awarded a Medal of Honor. And there are a couple. 
Uh, I'm going to read one from John Lawson, who was in the Civil War conflict, part of the U.S. Navy. His citation reads, On board the flagship USS Hartford during successful attacks against Fort Morgan, Rebel gunboats in the Ram, Tennessee, in Mobile Bay on 5 August 1864, wounded in the leg and thrown violently against the side of the ship when enemy shell killed or wounded the six-man crew as the shell whipped on berth deck. Lawson, upon regaining composure, promptly returned to his station, although urged to go below for treatment, steadfastly continued his duties throughout the remainder of the action. I'll be doing these each week if... You get inspired to uh, to look up some of your own or, or, or curious about citations or the Medal of Honor. Uh, I use uh, the, the Medal of Honor Society's website, cmohs.org. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know there's a lot of options out there for entertainment. Uh, I appreciate you listening to these powerful stories from our veterans. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Veterans Affairs for more stories from our community. This podcast, we are in iTunes. Just search Born the Battle and subscribe there. Lead us a rating and review, please. And I will see you next week. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. Yeah.